Welcome everyone to the Lighter Mind Podcast. In the Lighter Mind, we explore spirituality, personal growth, trauma, recovery, and the path to wholeness. The Lighter Mind Podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any forms of mental illness. We are not licensed therapists unless otherwise noted, and these are experiential conversations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Lighter Mind Podcast. My name is Kyle, and I have Alan and Crow here with me. And today we are diving into a little bit more of the psychoeducational stuff, and we're going to be talking about self compassion and self forgiveness. And this is something that has been challenging for me throughout. Um, I mean, just as not even just as someone in recovery, but just being a human in general, self-compassion is something that I really struggle with because I have grown up shaming myself my entire life and I've had a hard time letting stuff go and forgiving myself for things and I continuously feel guilty about things that I've done in the past and I've really, and especially over the last couple of years and since I've been in my recovery, I've had to do a lot of self-forgiveness, self-compassion, some self-love and um, for anyone who doesn't know what self-compassion is, I have something here from selfcompassion.org that says with, self, that says, with self-compassion, we give ourselves the same kindness and care that we give to a good friend. So this episode is just going to be about our experience with loving ourselves or not loving ourselves and honestly where we you know before we turned on the the mic today we were having a really good conversation about an experience that alan had and um i want to kind of bounce it over to you and walk through your struggle with self-compassion and shaming yourself and what's going on over there (laughs) all right so well this is past weekend and i'm sure i've mentioned this in previous podcasts uh is i got to do a Porsche Club high performance driving experience, which is, it's not a race. They always want to say it's not a race, um, but basically it's a way to learn how to drive your speed, become a better driver, more aware, um, and just learn your limits and the vehicle's limits. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was way harder than I ever anticipated. So, um, my expectation was I've been driving for 42 years. I'm going to just kill this. I'm going to be like, you know, the next Dan Gurney or, you know, (laughs) Steve McQueen. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a swift, uh, kick of reality. Um, but all in all, I was like, Oh, it was okay. So then I get my, driver review and I've read it to these guys and both of them and and my and my friend Tim who did the drive too you know all thought it was not like the worst thing ever but my brain the way it functions is all I read was you suck don't ever do this again uh it's you're embarrassed you've embarrassed yourself and uh so uh yeah so it was tough and it's really still tough to be self-compassionate about that like you know, like, you know, even the instructor was like, well, you've driven this car 200 total miles since you got it. 
before this, I drove a big truck and a lifted Jeep. So I'm not used to a car that handles well. Um, but in my mind, I should just be able to get in the car and, you know, be the coolest <laughs> dude on the freaking track. Right. And, uh, you should be a professional at right. this point already. Yeah, like, <laughs> like some after scout. One, after some, one drive, you yeah, should be a professional. One drive of a car that you just bought and has, you've driven 200 miles. You know, I'm waiting mm-hmm. for, like, the guys to come and say, come drive the million-dollar car up Pikes Peak next week or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, I got after I read that this morning, I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's fair. The assessment was fair, right? Mm-hmm. But in my mind, you know, none of the positive things came through at all. It was just like, you suck. You drive like a little old man. You, mm-hmm. you don't know how to use the brakes. You can't steer for shit. You don't know how to accelerate for shit, you know? And I got my wife came home at lunch. I'm like, we're just going to sell the car and I'm done with this shit. <laughs> you know? So, um, yep. <laughs> so. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if you guys have understand that or if our listeners completely, yeah, completely, totally, completely, yeah, totally. So, and I think it's partly the human brain, you know, always looks for the negative. Like I, I didn't. It the first time I read through it, I could see a little bit of positive, but by like the third time I read it, I was like, suck. So well, it's um, like almost every time you read it, you were probably continuously focusing, hyper focusing on the negative, and then the next time you read it, you were even more hyper focused right. on the negative. Yeah, like until it's like basically the, the driver the, kicked the you. Font the font on the good the stuff just gets smaller yeah. and smaller. Yeah, right. Until you have to have a magnifying glass, yeah, and the so. other ones are like billboard <laughs> exactly. size. Doesn't know how to brake. Yeah. Doesn't look where he's driving. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Until like by the end of it, it's basically like the instructor just kicked you in the nuts and said, you're a fucking awful driver. (laughs) It's like, like, that's not really like, honestly, you just read it to us and it wasn't that fucking bad. No, it it honestly wasn't that bad, especially like for since you just got the car and you've never driven on a track like that before, yeah, you know, but it, that ties in really well. So Alan was telling us this story before we turned on the mic. And the first thing that I told him was to give himself a break. Yeah. (laughs) Because, and that's something that I have written down here. It says that, um, giving ourselves a break when we make a mistake and showing love to the parts of ourselves that are critics. And so this ties back really well into, Miss Jill, that was yeah, in here I was with just us. Thinking the things oh, you know, thing. I like, was thinking Jill, like, there's what? a part of you that's beating the shit out of yourself yeah. right now for not even. And you didn't right. even necessarily even make a mistake. Right. It was just like it was something that you. It was unfamiliar territory, and you weren't aware of how to like right. do this yeah. thing. And I was thinking you know? about that with with if Jill was here, where she would take that me and the and yeah, the, that's that kid inside. Because I think about like. Uh, skiing, right? Mm-hmm. I ski- started skiing when I was young, and I was a pretty good skier, all in all. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to go and, and be in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. But then my college girlfriend, who was this epically good skier, and her parents opened a, owned a ski shop, and her dad was a ski instructor, and she skied like the craziest shit, like double black all the time, which I wasn't good at. So I started skiing with her, and it killed it for me because it wasn't fun. I wasn't good enough, right? Mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't good enough. And unfortunately, she liked to point out that I wasn't good enough. So it was this whole like, Ooh, you know, that's hard. That's yeah, tough. That's right? tough. Right. When you're getting Ooh, like yeah. external reinforcement. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah that's so that, definitely hard. That, that's a bitch. And then mountain biking. I mean, I'm a good mountain biker. I'm not a great mountain biker. I mean, in the in the bell picture, for especially for my age group, I'm pretty darn good. 
But even that with that, you know, when I first started, luckily all of the people I rode with, because it was so early on in this sport, none of us were good, right? So no one cared. We all sucked and we all got better together. But if I had started riding with guys who had been doing it for years and I couldn't, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it. So I've been, you know, I've been mountain biking for 39 years now, you know, a lot. Yeah. 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 So, but had, you know, like with this car thing, had someone been like, well, he didn't ride over rock very well. And when we got to the creek crossing, he he did a full scorpion and ended up in the water. You know, <laughs> I'd be like, well, I guess I better find a new sport, maybe the lawn bowling. So um, yeah, you know. So, but I've learned with most things self compassion, but not well, obviously not enough because I've been beating myself up over this for days. It sounds yeah, like. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds, I mean, oh no, yeah, until we yeah, got, yeah, it's, it, literally it until you told us. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, right. So, so this actually plays in really well with the other thing that we were talking about, and I have something written down here in order to cultivate self-compassion and some type of like self-forgiveness uh, forgiveness is not to put high expectations on ourselves. And we were just talking about this because on the last episode, I guess Alan had said the key to happiness is low expectations. Is low expectations and one of our <laughs> listeners took uh, uh, exception to that. And told told me that you have to have high expectations of yourself. You're never going to accomplish anything. And we're going to challenge that a little bit. Well, we'll challenge it. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you go through life and just say, well, I don't have any expectations of myself. So, you know, what are you going to do? Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have become a really good brewer if I had just been like, well, whatever. I just make... I'm just going to do this. And if I suck at it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is kind of the, that industry now is there's a bunch of kids that suck at it, mm-hmm. but they think they're great just because they made it in the beer sucks and they suck and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, you know, in, in context, what I was trying to say was when you go into a situation, new experience or, um, have people that you're relying on for something, if you have really high expectations of that, you're probably going to be disappointed mm-hmm. because a, they may not know what you want. They may not be able to come through or whatever the case is. Right. So if, if you have, so that way, like, Oh, okay, we're fine. Like in the restaurant business. So, so basically I, that idea came up when I was in the brewery because we were super passionate about what we did. We loved our beer. We were passionate. We want to make the best beer possible. But the servers didn't care. You know, they just want to sling as much crap across the bar into the people as possible, food, and make the biggest tips. So we would, like, go every day, and we have new beer on tap. Hey, here's the beer we made. This is what it is. Here's the descriptors. Here's the sheet on everything that's in it. And then five minutes later, we hear a customer, like, hey, what's the new beer? Oh, it's whatever, whatever. And then they would just make up stuff about it. Like, no concept of what we had done in it and then my assistants would be like just raging like why do we put in this effort to make this great stuff if no one else cares and that's when i was like hey man you good enough isn't for us it is for them and your expectation their expect what your expectations of them are are unrealistic 
because and you're and you're not gonna you're never gonna be happy um Mm -hmm. so just have low expectations of this you know so that's what i was trying to say the key to happiness is and you know i had another assistant years ago who left the one brewery we were at and he was going to another one he was gonna become the head brewer and he's like i can't go wait to go to somewhere where the servers are professional and this and that and then within a month, he's like, oh, my God, they're the same everywhere. And I said, yeah, a server, there's a personality type, and they're all the same everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're not like you're going to have a bunch of road scholars and, you know, rocket part-time rocket surgeons over there, you know, waiting tables. They're there to make a fast buck, and it's easy. Right. So, and they're, they're, they're doing what they're on par with their training allows. Right. Well, even with the training, they, most of them didn't care. Yeah, you, just know, you would tell through. them what they just like, whatever, you know. So that was what I was saying. So now let's flip the script. Uh, expectations just, on ourselves, right? Right. And I think that that and I, you said something in there about having unrealistic expectations on other people, and I do agree with your friend who reached out about. We have to have some type of expectation on ourselves, but I do think at a certain point we can have unrealistic expectations on ourselves that lead to guilt and shame. And that is something that I know I struggle with. I know you struggle with because you just well, told a just, story yeah, about that's, that, that's you know. Exactly what and I think that that I think that there is a fine line between like having like a set standard for yourself, you know, that can kind of encompass like your, your morals and, um, integrity and, you know, kind of stuff like that. But I think that if we start putting expectations on who we think that we should be, and sometimes that's just not possible, you know, like if I wake up in the, the, the morning and I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm going to be Brad Pitt today. Well, I'm not fucking Brad Pitt. Right. You know, it's right. just like there I think that there's like a fine line between who I actually am and like the humility within that and um standards that we can set. Right. You know. There you go and I think I think I just uh, discussed this a lot in the last couple of weeks of of the the it's it comes down to a challenge and a reward. And you can have a capital C challenge that's far too big and a small reward, you're going to bail. Or you can have a capital R reward that you are expecting of yourself in that time frame of that little quick moment of your life on that track. But the challenge is far too great. So it we're, we're not aligning. And I think uh, one of the big issues that I see that I've noticed in my life and in my journey in recovery especially was that it's a journey and I wasn't frame I wasn't framing life out like that I was always going from expectation goal accomplished next thing accomplished and I want to time frame it and even if I haven't sat down and written it out then I had some ambiguous cloud-like vision of where I should be should 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 here we go with that word again man. Mm. and we're shitting all over ourselves and it's it's i think it's a big thing for me is reframing it so that it's a journey and i'm not going to get it one crack at this and yeah there's going to be this but what am i learning along the way 
that sounds ideal, but that really has helped me sort of take time, bend time a little bit, and the expectation of what do I what do I expect? Well, someday I will have this. I know that. But I've eliminated the the hard nuts pressure right of of that by doing that is slightly does that make sense yeah 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 well and i think that works with anything you know i look back when i first started home brewing and how hard it all seemed Mm -hmm. and then got really proficient at it and then went to the professional level and it was like overwhelming and got proficient at that right so anything in life you know, I know if I if I had time to go every other week onto the track within a few months, I'd be really freaking good. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, mountain biking, whatever I'm into. Yes. Like, or what you're bus, passionate right, about. Like building this mm-hmm. VW bus thing we're you're, doing. Like I woke up overwhelmed <laughs> when we, after we disassembled it and thought about how am I putting this thing together and doing this different engine and this and that. And when it started the first time after I did everything, like seriously, it hadn't run in 25 years and it started immediately. I was like, holy shit, how did that happen? And now we're like at the finish line on it. And I'm like, yeah. wow, this is great. It wasn't my anticipation of what this was going to be and what it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was a big right. daunting challenge, but I worked through it. and And for me... You know, like in the re- review thing, it said I overthink, and I do overthink. But like for something like that bus, overthinking is good because then I can find every variable, have any way of looking at how what could potentially go wrong, you know, and all the steps. Right. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I, and what I also noticed about you in the entire time you've taken that thing apart, dismantled it, because I've watched it start to finish. And I watched you enjoy the journey right. of figuring each thing out and then stepping back and then reconfiguring some ventilation system that VW didn't even do. Right. I mean, come on. You're enjoying this process. Right. Well, the engineering part and the, you know, like, I guess for me, this stuff is fun because when I was a really little kid, I wanted to be a car designer. Um, that was my dream when I was like six. Well, it sounds like you right. rekindled that flame. Yeah, that I mean, passion. I just, you know, I wasn't uh, a, a very good student and be all the shit you needed to do, like math and science held zero appeal to me as a kid. Now I love all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I like. And now you know, you're applying it. Right. In real time. Right. But at 18 going to college, I would have never <laughs> in a million years been like well, I want to be an automotive engineer and be, you know, go through all this math and sciencey stuff. Cause I'm like, you know, I had a hard time figuring out what the booger on the end of my finger was after I picked it out of my nose at that age. Right. <laughs> right. And all of that was part of the journey of what you don't like and where your brain is real strong and where, where it's, you know, um, perhaps weaker or I shouldn't say weaker, softer in other areas that you're just not applying to. Right. But you seem to have gotten around it. You rebuilt an entire Volkswagen bus. Right. Mm -hmm. That's just, I mean, everything ground up. So that's, right. That's remarkable. Yeah. And it's fun. Right. So I think. Okay. The self-compassion thing, you gotta, it, and I think sometimes you beat yourself up a little bit if it's not as fun. Like if something's fun and you still screw up, 
it's like whatever right it was fun yeah so. and the driving the car was fun i mean it's physically hard and you don't sleep very well the night before because i had to get up ass crack to drive down there and then you get home and you're wired and you don't sleep well because you're trying to re- <laughs> it's adrenaline right yeah you got the adrenaline and then you're yeah. trying to like visualize the next day so you by the second day you're pretty sleep deprived yeah and then you get there and you think that, the, and, and again, this is where you don't, I don't have self-compassion is like, okay, you, you, you should have absorbed everything you learned the first day and the second day, you're going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, your results oriented. Right. Right. So, and you know, I think I need to just look at it as the experience and figure out what my goal is. And cause I had goals of driving smooth. And driving fast and re- they always say smooth is fast but the first day i was more about let's just drive fast and it was fast and jerky and then the second day was slower and smoother and much better so i kind of did things backwards did you so, learn something uh <laughs> i learned i'm not as good of a driver as i thought no, I beyond that though uh, did you learn yeah i think i learned a lot okay you know, okay i mean i learned stuff about my limits uh, I don't know if I learned anything about the car's limits because yeah. Yeah. my instructor drove it two laps at the start and I was like, oh my God, yeah. this is unbelievable, like frighteningly unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, I think I learned, but I, I you know, I think I'm learning more now talking to you guys in, in this podcast that, you know, it's not, it, well, I wasn't as crap as I thought I was. Well, no. And, I, I, and even during the, so the, the irony is while we were driving and we would sit in the car after we do the 20 minutes on the, on the track. And I'd be like, well, I'm feeling pretty good. I've only driven this car 200 miles. I've only had it for a couple months. It's only been really kind of track ready for a week because the brakes were so like worn out. Um, so I'm pretty happy with myself, right? That's, so that yeah, that was yeah. that was so, the day of. Yeah. But two days later, you're like, well, this you later. fell back into the old Alan. But I I would still. What about continuing to head forward headlong into this uh, uh, sport with your Volkswagen mind of. I'm learning more and more, and I'm going to figure this out. You're in that period of adjustment. That's the, mm-hmm. one of the problems that I always skip. Mm-hmm. I always tend to skip that. I did in in early recovery. I was quick just to come right out of the gate and say, this is good. This is not so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's not like that. And I, and I over time, with a lot of self-care, have learned to step back and go, okay, now... As I look back, just like you do with brewing, any other thing that you've done, um, it was learning. And, well, and, and the it, human brain is engineered for this. It was it was designed for this from when the time we were toddlers and we we didn't take no for an answer that we were going to walk before anybody could speak to us. So this is how the human brain is engineered to learn well and you think about like when you first learned to drive like everything seemed overwhelming like turn signals Mm -hmm. and checking the mirrors and the gas even which is the gas and brake like Mm -hmm. i remember like oh which which yeah you know and it you know and then as you get proficient at it you kind of go on autopilot like it's 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 flow right like you don't you don't think about i mean you know to check your mirrors you know to be aware and you know a lot of people aren't like 
all the people driving with looking at their cell phones. But, you know, you learn all of a sudden something that seems super daunting is second nature, second right? nature. And you yeah. fall into that flow state, right? You can fall right. into your flow with so it. So you yeah. get all that part of your brain to wire up. Right. So right. this is all new and I have an older brain. You know, it was funny because the second day right before we went, I had my little jar of methylene blue. I'm like, 10 minutes to track time. And he's, I'm drinking this. And they're all like, no drugs on the track, no alcohol. <laughs> and he's like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, oh, it's called methylene blue. It's a dye. It's a long story. I'll send. I'll find you the little brochure <laughs> yeah. that comes with the next pack if I ever see you again. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, but I thought, well, this is going to be the answer. But the funny thing is, I wore these regular glasses for the first day and half the second day and I had taken my sunglasses which are one prescription lower but they're not that bad different but they have something called track digital track coating on it which brings out like stuff better like you can see oh interesting and I actually seriously I drove way better with those on that's crazy and we were laughing he's like well they're more aerodynamic I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what it is, you know. So, so um, I I got a question. So this kind of plays into my next point. So you're pretty aware of like your internal processes. So my question is that if you were to look back on the track days, what was your internal narrative that you were telling yourself? It's usually very mm. subtle, subtle things. And anyone who's listening, the reason I bring this up is because this is something that we do to sabotage our own self-esteem and our own self-worth and our self-love and all that kind of stuff. They're very, we throw shade on ourselves very, very well, subtly. Yeah. I think what was your narrative about that? I think that? my narrative was, and this has been um, probably since I was a kid, you know, we've talked about me on the swing set and I was good at it, but... I think there was a huge component of me being worried I'd be judged. Mm. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. if I go off the track and they give a trophy for the person that has the most egregious, like leaving the track kind of thing. It's a little John Deere tractor and they put your name on it that you were the worst, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, I don't want that. So I think the, the narrative in my head was, um, don't push your don't push it too hard because if you do you might lose control mm. and go off the track and then everyone's gonna be like oh you went off the track you're the guy that got the trophy right so yeah. i think there was some of that in my head um and i think there's just this fear because you're going so fast that you're gonna go off the track and and die yeah which no one has at this track that that I heard of or even really wrecked because there's no trees. It's just a big prairie. So if you go off the track, the worst that happens is you get some tumbleweeds in your grill. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be that guy that's gonna that flip flips and the car, and, yeah. <laughs> bursts into flames, mm-hmm. kills the instructor. You know, the whole program uh, nationwide through Porsche Club has to get canceled because yeah. of me. And I'll be like the legendary guy that killed everyone's fun. Right? So it almost it almost sounds like you were basing the whole experience. You went into the experience with like that expectation on being a certain caliber of driver, yep. you know, of being worthy, good enough. Mm-hmm. And then anything that went slightly wrong, 
it was it just slowly took that down into i'm not good enough i'm not yeah. good enough i'm not good enough. i'm fucking horrible right you yeah. know and yeah. to the point where it's like even if you were to drive because even if you were to like because for me in the way that my brain processes information i know that everyone else in the world is not much different than me but when I hear you say that, like, you were going to be that one guy that was going to drive off and into a fucking ball of, you know, fury. Right. And and it's like, for me, I think in my mind, I'm like, well, that actually proves that I'm not good enough because because I actually managed to pull off some shit like that. Which what what it sounds like they're there. They're, we're coming back to that watchfulness piece, right? Of that watching every single thought you're having and discerning why. This is so important. Um, because in that moment that you start doing that, immediately you're out of the moment. You're out of the present. You've just future tripped. So, you know, you either you, you want to be here. I mean, of course, we always want to be present when everybody says, be here now. Well, that's goddamn easy for you. But this is exactly how it gets away from us. We start creating the shell of thoughts of the fear of what will people think of me. Mm, back to the Joseph Campbell. Back to the Joseph right. Campbell, man. It, it's it's just and and you know uh, the 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 fear around that, along with Gabor Mate, you know, and the biggest stressor on the planet is trying to be somebody we're not. Right. So we're living trying in that brief quick moment we're future tripping to try to keep up to somebody where our expectation is too high of and it's like non-reality times 10 in that very split second moment yeah well the funny the irony another funny thing is like in my stupid instagram feed like every other one of the things are like based on your like whatever their algorithm mm-hmm. is is these things about dealing with i'm not good enough you know, it's and I'm a tough like, one. <laughs> yeah, you know, so and that and that goes into self compassion, right? Like, it is. You know, I would say it is self compassion, total yeah, self compassion, yeah. right? To say you're good enough, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, if you're not trying, I would say you could say, okay, well, dude, you aren't good enough because you aren't putting any effort in, mm-hmm. like zero, zero effort. But if you're doing. You know, I've said this before, and I say it to people all the time when they're like, oh, that person, blah, blah, blah. I said, people are doing the best they can with the skills they have, no matter what it is, right? Right. So that track day was the, I was doing the best I could with the skills I have. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the skills, and I think this goes to the mindful moment and being in the moment was, I was looking too much at the future. Yes. Like, I was, as I was going through these turns thinking I'm going to crash or whatever I was anticipating people judging me and mm-hmm. me feeling shame which I you know is obviously a, a hardwired in all of us evolutionarily so I think I had a probably should have been more in the moment while I was doing it not worrying about that stuff not caring like who cares at the end of the day it doesn't no, make it, like, matter. it, it doesn't you know, matter exactly the guy that spun yeah. his car around and, and the guy that went off the track was one of the high. The guy that went off the track and got the the tractor award was one of the guys in the highest group. Yeah, and the, yeah. The, my coach is like, I've gone off the track hundreds of times. It's one of these things that Brene Brown calls it the spotlight syndrome, and it's where we think that we're so important that everyone that all eyes are on us all the time, and right. that everything we do is being scrutinized. It's like. 
realistically, most people are absorbed in their own shit and they don't give a, they don't care what we're doing. Yeah. You know? And so when we go into that, when, when you, it literally, you went into like a shame spiral of like, you know, like expectations and overthinking and all these kinds of things when realistically it's like no one else was thinking those things you know but it but it's so cares no one cares but it's interesting how our mind does that and then we cover it up with layers of like you know Brene brown she talks about like armoring ourselves and it always starts with that like that initial like vulnerability of like i'm not good enough and then it gets into i don't remember the exact steps but it it goes into um, you know, I'm not good enough. And then eventually at the very end of like our armor, we arrive on like, I'm better than everyone else or, you know, but in the middle of that, if some, in the middle of there somewhere is like judgments and like, what are people going to think of me? But it all kind of boils down to, I am not good enough. And I don't want other people to see that I am not good enough. Yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> it. And, and mm-hmm. another thing that happened was at the end of the day, one of the people who checks you like make sure your helmet's strapped on and you're you know got everything set before you go to get on the you know the on-ramp or whatever they call it the pit ramp um they're like oh we got a sticky for you right before i go to drive this thing i'm like what the fuck does that mean (laughs) and we're talking we have helmet comms right yeah i'm like what the fuck does that mean i'm like the whole time i'm like I'm getting called to the principal's office. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like just goes oh, into God. shame. You're like, I'm yeah. not good enough. What and did then, I do? <laughs> and then I get done and we pull and they hand me this sticky and it's got this guy's name and a phone number. And it says car 64, which was my number. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh my God, what did I do? But the whole lap, mm-hmm. which the lap before I did really, I think I had my best or my lap, you know, it wasn't laps, but my time before was way better than this one. But I think in my head the whole time, I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to kick me out. Mm-hmm. And I even said that as I was pulling it onto the track, I said, well, so much for this. I'm like, it goes back to that Groucho Marx thing saying, well, I wouldn't want to be a part of any club that would have me as a member anyway. So fuck all you guys. You exactly. know? That's, a, yeah. well, that's exactly what the yeah. end of the armor is, is it comes into like, that's where like arrogance and ego come from and defense. Right. You know? Yeah, right. it's exactly. It's like, I'm actually better than you, but realistically it's like, I don't think I'm good enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what, if you really like psychoanalyze it all the way back, Back, which I think is so interesting, but I, I really like what you were saying. Um, that that little mantra of like, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can with the tools that I've been given, right. and that's something for um, th- this is a little bit more of like on the psycho educational stuff, a little bit more education as to how to actually cultivate self compassion. And having a little mantra like that is something that I have actually had to start telling myself for the last couple of years because I went I went through a lot of training when I was when I was living in North Carolina, I went through a training called the Loving Relationships Training. And the whole experience we went into a lot of uh holotropic or holotropic breath work. Um, dealing with trauma, we were dealing with um, self-forgiveness and self-compassion, ultimately. And what I kind of figured out in that moment is that I had this thing called the eternal lie. And this lie is something that we tell ourselves usually at like a young age. And my lie is that I am not worthy. And that lie has basically served me my entire life under everything that I've ever done. And the whole point of this training was to disprove that lie 
first of all, and to be able to start building up the habits of building a new truth for myself, which is that I am a worthwhile and deserving human being. And something like positive um, affirmations that we can give ourselves on a regular basis, especially in those moments, like when you when you fuck up the turn in the car or something like that and you and you immediately go into like i can't believe i just did that you know i can't believe that i'm not good enough to be able to make that turn to be able to remind ourselves that i'm just doing the best that i can i'm just doing the best that i can with the tools that i have i am still worthy of love and belonging as Brene brown says yeah it's being able to constantly berate ourselves with positive affirmations and there's there's a i mean there's a tool you know i i totally agree and it starts with our language yes the way that we talk to ourselves right the Mm -hmm. way that instead of you know i i forget i i that's how i am i just forget i'm a space shop yada yada no it's what did you remember and it's just reframing every single possible negative word even write them down Mm -hmm. and then what's the opposite what's the what's the positive way that you can and that should we need to practice this because right. we well, humans yeah. assert well at least americans as a, as a whole i don't think we're very good with this i think we really misuse the english language by and large and we, it, it's really geared towards that it's almost engineered for this negative or fail safe um excusal type program and and i think we need to really look into that so that that becomes our habit and that becomes ingrained in the brain that i'm always looking for the positive and to find my flow it's a yes and conversation yeah well i think the the you know a few books i've read have talked about how we evolutionarily are programmed to look for negative so when we were living on the why is that savannah Right. Well, you, you need yeah, to, you're looking yeah. for threats. We're looking right? yeah, for threats. Constantly. And the so worst case scenario. In millions of years of evolution got upended really quickly when all of a sudden the threats were gone. Right? Like, we aren't going to starve to death. I'm not going to walk out in my backyard or even to the creek behind the house and get eaten by a freaking saber-toothed tiger. Yeah. Right? It's not, not but your brain anymore. hasn't caught up to that. So it's always looking for a threat. And I think it makes them. You know, like you're looking like, yeah. so Absolutely. you automatically, Absolutely. And, and, and then, you know, Peter Bregan talks about guilt, shame, and anxiety and how all those are evolutionarily programmed in us. Like mm-hmm. monkeys do mm-hmm. that. They have yes. shame yeah. and anxiety, right? It's, it's so trauma. So you have all this in your head. It's cultural trauma. And rewiring mm-hmm. is hard. So when I first started on this journey of trying to be better and one of our f- former musician friends told me, well, you sound like Stuart Smalley, remember, on Saturday Night mm-hmm. Live? Yeah. Because yeah. I had this thing. Every day, I would wake up and say, I'm a good person. Positive I des- affirmation I list. deserve mm-hmm. peace, yes. love, mm-hmm. happiness, prosperity, yeah. and health. I had my five things, right? Yeah. And I would just say this to myself all the time. I did the same thing, man. And then it I works. would tell him that because, you know, and he was a mental mess. And he's just like, oh, you sound like Stuart Twilley. That's so stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when I would mountain bike, I, and I think I've probably told you guys a story how I would do this. Like, I would be, you know, it was like a meta thing. Like, so I'm pedaling, right? And I'm like, I'm a good person. I deserve these five things. And if I hit a trail fork or I put a foot down, 
I would go to someone I love or that's close to me. So it'd be my wife, my mom, my brother, you guys. I, well, I didn't know you back then when I was doing this. <laughs> so I'd be like, blah, 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 until I hit another fork or put a foot down. And then I would do it about someone I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You know, may this person, you know, is, this is a good person. They deserve peace, love, yes. happiness, mm-hmm. prosperity, and health. And prosperity is whatever. It does not necessarily right, financial, right? right? Mm-hmm. And then if I put a foot down, then it would be someone I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Which was always the hardest one, right? Yeah, like so, sure, I'm like sure. I'm pet along and like this guy, motherfucker, motherfucker, this guy just hurt, you know? Yeah, like your brain's yeah. still like I punch him in the face, yeah. but then yeah. but after like you know you're pedaling and you're struggling, and all of a sudden you get in this like yeah he does deserve that whatever yeah. they wronged me they're ba- they've done some bad things they're doing the best they can with the tools yeah. they have. Right. Well, and be, then they yeah. would go to the, the city and then the world and all the animals in the world and anyone that's suffering. So for three hours, I would just be doing this. Yeah. Just uh, like oh, positive affirmations right. yes. and like compassion. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that's, it's so, it's almost like we're retraining the way that our thoughts are. And I think that because I, I think 100%. that, yeah, I think that if we are complete, if, because we are so wired to be in the negative, I think that, I mean, we can literally train ourselves to be in the positive and, and doing little exercises like just positive affirmations. There's, there's stuff that you can do where you can write sticky notes of just like, I'm a good person or I'm beautiful. And you can just put them around your house so that you see them every once. Like it actually works because we're training, we're training our brain what to focus on. Like it sounds stupid, but I mean, you wake up in the morning and if you give yourself 10 positive affirmations in the mirror every day for a year, your perspective about yourself will change. Yeah. It's just how it is it, because it's now you're, you've gotten into the subconscious. Yeah. that subconscious is what's running us, mm-hmm. not yeah. our, our conscious thinking. So we need to get down there and I, I still do this all the time. I go to sleep at night with the positive affirmations mm-hmm. on low um, with the speaker somewhat close to me. So I'm hearing it. I know I'm hearing it, but I'm not paying attention to it. But it's positive because I want that. And every time that I do that, I wake up in just a fantastic yeah. mood. It's, it's and I don't know crazy. why. Can't remember what I dreamt, but, man, I wake up in a great mood. Yeah, no, yeah. that's great. And I did the sticky note thing for... It you know, it actually works. Yeah, man. they were they were in my wallet, so I'd open my wallet. Same thing inside yeah. the refrigerator. It, yeah, good bathroom good idea. mirror, yeah. closet. So you'd open it up and like it's just know. it's just right in your face. Right. Even if you're not like actively paying attention, like you said, it's like it's your unconscious mind is still yeah, picking yeah, up yeah, on yes. what's in your environment. Yeah, you see that thing, you know, and you know exactly what it says because they all yeah. said the exact same thing, mm-hmm. right? You know? So so there are a lot of tools, right? Yeah, and we were doing, we had talked about discussing tools. You know, for me. Uh, the mindfulness apps that you know years ago I started with Headspace mm-hmm. which I really liked and I did that for years and then I did Calm for a while and then I went back to Headspace and now my insurance company pays for the Calm my health insurance so I dropped the Headspace because it's free for the Calm nice. and I tried this FitMind one which I really liked but it was really limited like there wasn't a lot like I went through all of it and I'm like well I'm done with all this and I don't want to redo them and maybe I should have redone them but and then I found the breath work one which you know I was super into but you turned me on too yeah Mm -hmm. and then I haven't done any breath work in weeks I haven't done anything I haven't you know oh I love that one I think you get in this for me 
it's kind of like you know I'm balls deep or I'm like completely away from it. Like, I'm the same way, and I need to mm-hmm. flip that script right. Okay, now. okay. Um, so what you're saying right there to our listeners as well, this is a discipline, right? And this is what the is. discipline is all about. Yeah, and it this... doesn't require you having to go hit the gym or whatever. Being a, you know, uh, it, some outward way, it requires. Um, it requires self-care, which is at least one hour out of your busy goddamn life for yourself every day yeah. to isolate right. and away I, from your family, yeah. your husband, your wife, your spouses, your kids, your boss, your everybody. Right. And it's you time. And you have to stick religiously to that hour and be very hardcore because you deserve one out of 24. You well, and yeah, do. I mean, you like think about that. And I remember seeing something years ago, like talking about just 10 minutes of meditation, you know, how helpful it is. And they were saying how many minutes are in a day. And they did an analogy like you have if you had this many dollars and you could give away 10 of them in a day, meaning the 10 minutes mm-hmm. for a whole lot of better mental health. Would you do it? And you're, you know, you are obviously. Yeah, I'll spend that kind of money. Yeah, it's 10 minutes or Mm -hmm. 60 minutes out of, I don't know how many minutes are in a day, whatever, 24 hours times 60, so 1,200 and some minutes, something like that. So whiskey over there. So so (laughs) 60, Um, yeah, I'd pay big money for that if somebody gave me that option. Whereas the trade off is just simple mindfulness and discipline stick to a, a right. regime and this has well, to be part of the discipline you know i always i always put little i had this little uh south park guy you rock discipline you know <laughs> you uh, your dad wrecks him <laughs> uh, <laughs> then i print it out and i just put it around to remind myself like to get up at five thirty and come down to the basement and work out yes um and, and you know everyone's like oh if you can do something for 21 days you're set but the most recent science i saw is it takes like three times as long so you look at like 63 days of consistency before you, it really becomes a routine a, a, well a it's it's yeah. it's that but but to kind of go back on like the this self-care and like cultivating like a new narrative and the way that we kind of view ourselves i've I did this LRT training, which was on self forgiveness. Okay, and when well, I, so LRT. What? LRT, so, yeah. LRT, what? so one of one what of the, another feedback for? I got was no, we so use we use acronyms that people don't know. Loving relationships training. Okay, LRT. <laughs> so, there you I are. did this training six years ago, and it is taking me. It took me. It took me five years. Until I finally got to the point where, like, I truly believe in my heart and soul that I'm worthy. Yeah. And so you have to be consistent for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same with, like, I mean, mean, if you look at it, if you look at cultivating self-compassion the same way that you look at, like, exercising at the gym... Like you're not going to, you're not going to have a six pack overnight. Like it's going to take years of struggle. (laughs) It's going to end consistency and dedication. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. I would say that like the, the, the self love, because I think that like the biggest issue that I've ever had, and it has been this, this fact that I don't think that I am good enough, that I don't think that I am worthy. And so it has been my, my biggest enemy and I have been my own worst enemy because of that. Like, yeah. you know, like lacking, I even have, I have a good, I got 
um, song lyrics on my arm that says that I'm my own worst enemy. Right. You know, because I'm like, I'm so hyper aware that like we get in our own way when we don't think that we deserve something, you know, and, and, but for anyone who's listening to this, like you, yeah, you, you have to be consistent with it. You have to show yourself some love. You have to. I mean, it could be like, you know, you were kind of talking about the self, the hour of self care or something like that. I mean, you can do, you can do stuff in self care where you can take yourself out to a movie. You can take yourself, you can make yourself a good meal. You can sleep in a little bit later. You can go get, go get a massage. I mean, there are things Mm -hmm. that we can do that are very, very subtle that our brain is picking up on that. Like, Oh, like this is good for me. And I, I, I must deserve this. I, you know, I must be deserving of this because it's happening to me. And so there's, there's very, very, but, but it, it takes a long time. It does. It takes a long time in order to get to the point where like, we're, we're there. And the other thing before I, before I lose this, we were talking about, um, we were talking about, internal narratives and we you were talking about like the practice of mindfulness so for i wanted to give the explanation of mindfulness that was given to me in my iop when i first was getting sober and this is the practiceness of mindfulness meditation and the whole purpose of the mindfulness meditation is to be able to observe our thoughts without judgment so our instructor was yeah, I think we've talked about this on previous podcasts about, you know, when we're observing ourselves, he he had the analogy of he was sitting next to a stream and he was watching all the leaves go down the stream. Mm-hmm. And he said that this is like a beautiful representation of how thought works. Because when we are watching these leaves go down the stream, you're not looking at these leaves and being like, oh, that's a fucked up leaf. That's a stupid leaf. That leaf's really big. We're just kind of like watching these leaves go. But in order to like really become aware of how we're currently talking to ourselves within our internal process, we have to know what is currently in our head. And the practice of mindfulness meditation is super simple. You can, if you sit down somewhere quiet or somewhere not so quiet, and you close your eyes, and the whole basis of this is to focus on the moment and to pay attention on purpose. And so the easiest thing to do is to pay attention to something that is very consistent in the room. So you can pay attention to a sound, you can pay attention to your breath. Like for me personally, I pay attention to the way that air feels going in and out of my nostrils or the the rising and falling in my chest, but something that's very consistent that you can you can pay attention to. And if you do this for long enough, there are going to be thoughts that are going to arise in your mind. And the whole practice is to pay attention to those thoughts when they come up, acknowledge that they are a thought, and then focus back on your breath, focus back on whatever that sound was, focus on the bottom of your feet, you know, do something to kind of ground yourself again. And if you do that for long enough, we start becoming aware of what types of thoughts are already in our minds. And if you are like me and you just started and you, you know, when you first start out, a lot of those thoughts are going to be more negative. That's just how it is, especially if you are more negative focused, like, like Alan was saying earlier, but it's very important for us to become aware 
of how we are currently talking to ourselves. Because if we don't know how we're currently talking to ourselves, we can't actually change that. And and this goes back to that thing of like knowledge is power, you know, and powers, you know, and power is the ability to influence change. And that's change over our behavior and the way that we're actually perceiving ourselves in the world. So that is more of like a like a practical thing that, it, you know, any of the listeners, like if you were early into recovery, that is something that has been incredibly valuable for me because we talk a lot on here about like being self-aware, but what the fuck does being self-aware even right. mean? You know, and cool. so I think that like having a practical tool to actually become self-aware and how we, you know, how we talk to ourselves and the way that we put, could potentially judge ourselves, judge other people, put expectations on other people like we need to know what's going on in our mind because if we don't it's going to fuck us up yeah and to be even be aware of the sneaky uh subversive when uh limiting thought Mm -hmm. limiting behavior the limiting thought comes limiting belief there we go comes back into our mind it's like yeah there's no reason in the world i can't accomplish this Mm -hmm. but you know and that always is, is you know uh, followed up by a by another, and that I've gotten really really watchful of. Mm-hmm. It's like no, there is no but, there is no there is no or, there is just this, and and to stay focused on that. I always find too that in well, I found it in my early recovery. Man, one of the one of the groups for AA was uh, uh, was a meditation group, mm. and. Uh, so we went to this meditation group and I was early in. I was about one, two, maybe three months into my sobriety. And uh, it's just a silent 15 minute um, meditation. And for any listeners out there that just never have meditated or practiced any sort of mindfulness thing, I would pretty much warn you against delving directly into a silent Meditation right mm-hmm. off the bat. Yeah, there's guided. It's, it's it, it go guided. Go mm-hmm. guided all the way, man. Just list, lay there and do what they tell you mm-hmm. to do, and let somebody else just walk you through it mm-hmm. and allow yourself. Number one, to let go, mm-hmm. let go of your control. If you can get through ten minutes of that, you're gold. That's yeah. all you need to do for the first time. Just let go of yourself and let somebody else tell you what to do mm-hmm. in that moment and allow yourself just to stay in that 10 minutes and start small. Mm-hmm. I always say, man, start small. Do not try to delve into, you know, 15, 20 minute, uh, for God's sakes, half hour of unguided silence that will, you will yeah. end up in all kinds of fights with your spouse, you know, arguments of why you didn't deserve that job and yada yada mm-hmm. so don't go there don't go there that's it's kind of ease in slow take it slow mm-hmm. and have fun with it yeah and i do think that it is important that the the thing with working with clients the the number one thing that i hear is that i can't slow my mind down enough in order to meditate right and right. i want for and I, I believe me i completely understand that especially when we first get into early sobriety like 
your your brain's gonna be a little messed up. Oh, <laughs> so, you're squirrely, like man. That, you're that's squirrely. what like that's that is to be expected. But I but I want people to know that there there is kind of a misconception around meditation in general because people think that like the whole point of meditation is to completely clear our mind. And to be honest, unless you are a monk or you are dead, it is almost right. it is physically yeah. impossible yeah. <laughs> I mean, so even, to clear your even mind. Monks would call it a practice, right? Yeah, you're never great at it. That's right. That's no. right. They all call it a right. practice. When what is I your was practice? Really deep into it, I could clear my mind, like no thoughts whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy if I could go two minutes. It's like, hard, like in really that, and hard, that's and that's like uh, years you know, of meditation. Yeah, I'm it sure. Probably <laughs> after like four or five years of doing it twice, mm-hmm. you know, half an hour or so twice a day, mm-hmm. I could like completely have no thoughts for what felt like an eternity. Probably mm-hmm. was two minutes, but. Yeah relatively speaking like when you first start and you know i think chris we we may have discussed this when he first started doing it he came into my work and was like man i just can't deal with these thoughts are constantly coming in my head and i gave him the cloud analogy like mm-hmm. just see it as a cloud acknowledge it watch it go by mm-hmm. or if you want to just kind of do this and like brush it away yeah you know and you, uh, you you had another great analogy is like imagine you're laying on the floor um, and it's a balloon and it's falling back down and you tap it up. Right. There's a thought mm-hmm. there. You're just tapping this balloon away yeah. Yeah. just each time and feel it, feel it on your fingers, feel the sound of it, feel everything and stay in that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. But this, there. this almost goes back to like the attachment that we were talking about at the very beginning of this, because I think by, by just acknowledging that, that this is just like some, phenomenon floating through my head it's like we're no we're no longer like attaching to those you know those thoughts and we're no longer putting like we're not like defining ourselves by what our thoughts are and i think that a lot of that a lot of like where um self-doubt self-worth and all this stuff comes from is that we begin to really start attaching to these ideals of who we think that we are, who that we think that we should be. Right. And we start to believe everything we think mm-hmm. we thought. Mm-hmm. Which isn't true. <laughs> you know? You know? It isn't true. But but I but I think the whole point of like this whole mindfulness practice, meditation and stuff like that is, is so that we're just aware, <laughs> you know, that we are shitting on ourselves most yeah, of the time. Yeah. We really you know? are. We are our own worst enemy. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. This, uh, there's this British band that that I'm, I'm not sure if I like them or not. They're called the Idols, like a car yeah. idling. Note. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has this Great lyric, lyric in the song. He goes, if someone talked to you the way that you talk to you, oh, buddy. I'd put their <laughs> teeth through. Love yourself. Is the, mm-hmm. That's the first yeah. line. And you're yeah. like, mm-hmm. and you're like, you know, he's screaming it. And you're like, what's he saying? Huh? Well, well, that's a really good, good yeah. thing, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, our self talk is like just powerful. Yeah, it is powerful. And most people, you know, I mean, I would say the majority of people are like, like me with this driving thing. You suck, blah, blah, blah. You're no good. You know, you're not good enough. Why do you even bother? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think people just do that. And then, you know, it's just, it becomes this horrible, like, spiral of, like, what's the point? Right? Yeah. Um, right. Well, mm-hmm. you're living two lives, and it's really, really interesting. You're living an internal life that is just so negative towards you. And yet you're just all gushy and and positive on the outside. So it's like, really, this is, you know, 
in our recovery and coming back to a state of wholeness where we're putting ourselves back together and uh, living a, a more true life of, okay, now I'm not just acting nice to you. I'm being, and that's all we want is for everybody to just show up. Right. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh had the best quote in the world, man. The greatest thing you can give your children is your own happiness. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and and, well, I, and I stand and, by. You that. know, the funny thing is, 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 I'll have people ask advice for me, and I think I give them, and they think I give them really good advice, and then I'm like. Man, you know, if you took your own advice, how great shit would be! <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. right. Like you understand. Right? Like I understand the concepts, and I understand what it takes to let go and be happy and surrender to to that. And I can tell anybody, like, someone comes to me with a problem, I can like walk them through yeah. and say everything's going to be fine, and this mm-hmm. is these are the steps, and this is what you need to do. But then for myself, I'm just like, how the fuck? I'm in this quagmire. You're right. I can't get out. <laughs> right. And then sometimes I like disassociate and talk yeah. to myself, like, hey, dude, like, guess, well, you know, yeah, like, like, what I talk the hell's to going someone on? else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You so, got the yeah. savior complex. Right. Like, you're going to save everybody else, but oh, don't mind me. I'm just drowning over here. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't even know if uh, like, I, that's I understand the, that. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. It's just oh. that, I mean, because I never. It's like a would weird give solicited, unsolicited advice. Like if someone comes to me like, "Hey, I'm struggling with this." Yeah. Mentally or physically, whatever, I'm going to be like, "Yeah, here dude, this and this and this and this and this." Mm-hmm. But I'm never going to be like, "You know what you should do?" You know, like out of yeah. the blue, like I don't give yeah. a fuck if you you know, I mean, whatever if you want to and I'm not thinking that I know anything more than anyone else, but I do I one thing I will say about myself is I think a lot. A mm-hmm. fucking lot. That's what happens when you're so, smart, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always yeah. thinking about things. I don't have that problem, so. <laughs> hey, self-talk. Yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. hey. Hey. Here we go. Knock it off, Crow. <laughs> and on that note, yeah. on that note. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I think yeah, there's tools, right? And we got to cut. Yeah, just cut yourself slack and it's so hard to do like so it's hard to do consistently because like someday like some days like it's harder than others and and also it's important to realize that on those days when we can't cut ourselves slack it's okay yeah (laughs) like that's not the end of the world and i think that like you know at the end of the day we just lay in bed like today was a shit show i'm I'm vulnerable i'm scared but i i did the best that i could let's just let's just go to bed and and tomorrow's a new day yeah but i think the biggest part too in this whole thing is observe observation the power of observation Mm -hmm. just observing yourself when you're doing it is i think a key in the right direction it's a big big step is to observe there i go again Right now, I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm actually doing that. So you can start to call it out slowly by just noticing and observing and watching yourself. Right, and I think that yeah, I think that's good. And 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 now, I was just thinking about this car thing, and I was like, well, you know, maybe you were having a hard time observing yourself because you're going in, you're going a hundred and 20 miles an hour into a turn. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the right. last thing you're thinking about is like, 
What are you thinking? Should you be thinking? Maybe it's not <laughs> the best thought to have right now. Yeah. You know, whereas if I was in the passenger seat, yeah. where I'd want you to be is you in the moment right. to save my life. You know what I'm saying here, bro? It's like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Just be you and you better find your zone yeah. or you're killing both of us. Right. Mm-hmm. So you best be you. Yeah, and that's, you know, and one of our friends texted me and was like, did anyone give you grief because you don't have a manual transmission? And I said, no, plenty of cars now, especially a lot of high-end cars are automatics with paddle shifters or whatever. And I said, I was really grateful that I didn't have one more thing to think about. Oh, buddy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm you sure know, that would have been rough. Like, that's a blessing. Just yeah. accelerate and brake and steer was overwhelming. Yeah. Right? So like, that's enough <laughs> right out of the gate. Having to push a clutch in, yeah. find the right gear <laughs> right. to come out of the thing, you know? Because, yeah, I mean, modern high-performance cars, transmissions are pretty smart, and they know where to gear down. Yeah. And with that, with my car, it, it learns. So, like as i was going through like there were a few downshifts it would do like radical downshifts as i would slow down into a turn like it would drop three or four gears and my buddy who was in his audi said his car wasn't doing that like so he would have to he would come out of something like quick slam on the brakes go to accelerate and it was still in like fourth gear you know so he would learn as he was slamming on the brakes into the turn hit the paddle shifter drop down enough gears so when you goose it, it goes. Yeah. So, yeah. but to me, I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't have a manual because I probably <laughs> would have just pulled the car off the track, packed all my shit up, and gone <laughs> just, home. Just right. Because. Start start small. Yeah. You, yeah. you that's So there's a blessing right, right. out of the gate. Yeah. No, so and that was you know so and that's a that's almost self compassion. Like, well, good thing you didn't have that because it would have sucked even more. Well, that's a grateful. <laughs> that's a grateful. That's, that's about yeah. that's about a half ass self compassion. <laughs> But we're getting there. Uh, yeah, we're getting we're there. Getting there. Yeah. We're Speaking getting of there. grateful for us. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably Yeah, I think we're those. I think we're yeah. about done with this. What do we what, what Well we... You're grateful right now. I'm yeah. grateful that you guys let me uh process all this and, and realize that I, I only suck a little bit. Not completely. No, I'm joking. I'm fucking awesome. You are awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. Uh, uh i'm you know again i'm grateful for my wife because she's freaking great and you know when i go to this place she's like oh get over it you know you're fine jesus yeah you know you don't need to do this and and uh and she's super um you know forgiving for me because like days i feel like i get nothing done and then she comes home from a hard day of work and i'm like apologetic that I didn't get enough stuff done. She's like, I don't care. You get, you know, she's like, you take a lot off my plate. So thank you. You know? So mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard for me to, when you don't work and you're like, do do do, you know, goofing around and doing all this stuff. But I actually get a lot accomplished, but I don't think like I have this list of I'm getting this much done today. And then I get There's a third of it done. Right. Expectation. Yeah. And a uh, third thing, um, I'm grateful that it's been rainy, but I'm pretty much ready for summer because this is yeah, been like it's, got, it's been a weird rainy yeah, season. This is yeah. like yeah. the yeah. longest spring ever. Like right, you know. If, I think uh, the wife had to turn the heat on this weekend because she was, was yeah, freezing. It was cold as hell, man. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I was thinking mm-hmm. back ten years yeah. ago when we had the big forest fire. I think it was ten years ago yeah, this year. Two percent humidity. It was bone dry and like <laughs> ninety five like, degrees right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know sure. we're lucky to yeah. hit like sixty five. Oh, yeah. That's a dog. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm grateful for the dogs, even though, you know, I've heard feedback that 
some people don't care for the sound of dogs in the background. It's just the reality of, of our podcast. Yep. And uh, so what happens? And if you saw this dude and the yeah. smile on his face, that's what you, you, what would you be, get. Yeah, he's a good That's man. That's what you get. So, don't uh, know what to tell you. All right, so there's my three-ish. What well, you got there, I, bud? I was, I was out today for a walk in the park and uh, during one of those bursts of sunlight, and I'll tell you, I was grateful for the rain mm. because everything just popped. Oh, yeah. Colors are just more greens than I could count, and it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I really dug that. Um, so I've been kind of grateful at the same time. Yeah, it's it's flaring up some allergy thing and the old mm. crow master here, and it's just not not. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think I ever had that, but but apparently I do. Yeah, um, apparently, I'm grateful uh, for you guys as always. Gets me out on my on my weekend mm-hmm. and uh, sitting down so I can have some enlightening conversation. It's really awesome. I'm grateful for what I get to do as a career occupation um i get to do this uh, sort of talk all week long and uh boy does it feed my soul and the, the folks that i get to work with really really uh encourage and teach me a lot about myself and about them and about the world so yeah man yeah. I'm just in a great spot Good stuff. Great man. place. I love it. But I got one I more grateful. I'm got? grateful that whatever I do nutritionally, that I heal really fast. Because oh. the, these burns. Oh, that, that was I had last, last week. week. That yeah, was last gone. Week, a week ago. Almost everything's completely gone. That's I mean, so they were crazy. giant blisters. And That's so crazy. No pain. And look at that shit. Whoa! You can't even see Great. It. I want to be honest, dude. I nice. honestly forgot that it had happened because yeah, there's, there's little... nothing on your fingers. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> so whatever, weird. however I eat and live must be pretty good for me because I healed really quickly from yeah. there. Right on. So I didn't think I'd get to play the guitar again for months, but I think I could do it today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, Alrighty. sorry to derail that. No, one. no, no, that was a grateful. That was a grateful. I am. What am I grateful for today? I'm really grateful that we started this podcast, man. I'm yeah. really, I'm really glad. Like, yeah. good idea. This is. Kyle. The, I think that this is like. I mean, it it really gets me in the room with like two of like my best friends, and then we're able to have these really good conversations that make me really. They kind of like challenge my thinking, and you know, kind of push me to um, be a little bit more open minded and stuff like that, and teaching me how to listen and. Um, every time I come here, I'm in a better mood when I leave. Yeah. You know, that's definitely, that's awesome. I am, um, God, I'm grateful for the gym. I really am. That's something that, um, that's into my, my daily routine for, for years now is just getting up and going to the gym every day. Cause it's, it's one of those other things that like, I'm always in a better mood every time that I leave. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like the hardest part of my day is done you know, at the first, you know, in the morning and then everything else is just cake from there. But that just kind of like armors, armors me up a little bit more mentally as David Goggins says, just yeah. kind of get my battle, battle armor on in the morning. And it just kind of just puts me in the right spot. Um, right on. and I am grateful. I'm actually grateful for the weather too. I am grateful for the weather. I'm grateful that it's not freezing cold. I do like the sun quite a bit but i kind of like this this little transitional rainy kind of doesn't really know what the hell colorado's doing right now but yeah you know it just kind of puts me in like a kind of a chill mood 
I like it. Yeah. Right on. Well, yeah. one thing. So, well, I'm going to derail us for a second. As I was thinking about this podcast, and we were talking about tools mm-hmm. for centering and all that. So the forest bathing thing, you know, like getting out into nature. Oh yeah, people. got so, a ground. Yeah, you know, like Get that's, your shoes that's a off. huge one. Exercise for your mental health, physical health. Getting out into nature. So if you have that opportunity, and you need to recharge a little, just Maybe, a walk yeah. in, in the woods or even through the neighborhood. Yesterday, I was out working on a, one of the cars, and you know, the, the front flowers are looking really, really good with all the they rain. Do. And I put a bunch of wildflowers, yeah. call it native wildflower seeds out there. And this guy, old guy stopped and was like, this is just a beautiful garden. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, well, that's great. I mean, I enjoy gardening and I enjoy the fact that it, someone else is enjoying, you know, the finding mm-hmm. it beautiful because it's going to bring them some happiness. Yeah. So anyhow well, na- nature is an antidepressant yeah that's yeah. for sure so something bigger than yeah, you the only downside yeah. to this gray weather is the twins are, are getting real pale so. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who have listened to <laughs> early, earlier podcasts you'll completely understand what that means Shit. so on that uh, note yeah thank you everyone for listening and uh we will be back in a week with some we're trying to get some guests on here soon and if not, we'll do some psychoeducational stuff and learn you some stuff there. Cool. All right. Alrighty. Bye, guys. All right. Thank you. All right. Who's got the bowl? Kyle, pass me the bowl.